so I went out on uh, Sunday and it's like, I didn't even, um, it's not like I went out late or drank too much, but we went out to like a nice dinner, like me and a group of people. And so afterwards they were like, oh, do you want like a coffee? And I was like, ooh, fancy dinner, little post fancy dinner coffee at this Greek restaurant. Yeah, I would definitely want one. Um, and then I stayed up till 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't love the idea of getting coffee after dinner. I If I go to like a nice Greek place or a nice Italian place, or I guess some French places will do it too. They'll offer normally like a little post coffee. And when you're really full and like a little drunk, a cup of, cup of coffee kind of helps everything settle. Mm. Uh, and normally if you're full and drunk enough, the caffeine isn't going to keep you up because you'll just be too tired from all the food and the booze. Uh, but that was not the case. And so I just stayed up really late. But it's fine because I haven't smoked weed in almost three weeks. So I got back into that and my tolerance has gone back down. And so I was like, wow, it's nice to be high and not terrified for once. <laughs> do you do you go through uh, like tolerance breaks for uh, drugs ever? Um, usually if I do, it's because I just don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> if like I get to a point where I can't get like, I won't feel high at all unless I'm like just doing it all day long on the pen. And then it skips over the like fun part and I just have really bad anxiety all day. So um, then I have to take like three weeks off and then I can start over again. And then normally that'll be fine for like four months and then I'll have to take three weeks off again. It's a, uh, I think, you know what? I think it's the pens, honestly. I think that we gotta go back, go back to the old ways of just smoking like actual flour. We have to go back. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I'm telling you, like as convenient as it is, we're all giving ourselves like turbo versions of cancer using those things. Yeah, I don't use a pen usually, like unless You're I'm like- You're just an edibles guy, right? Mostly, yeah. I mean, it just kind of like- That's, that's probably the best way to ingest it because you're not like putting smoke in your lungs <laughs> or yeah. weird vape oil made from like a sketchy semi-legal company you know i know who knows um I, know, I love how like everything from california says it gives you like cancer pretty much right like uh but for some reason i guess the vase probably say that too or they could give you cancer because like you know like if you like, wear like sunglasses that are made in california they say on them this could give you cancer yeah yeah like it's like you're not allowed to mo- remove certain mattress tags in california california has so much more like they don't they don't do more consumer protection they just do more consumer warning which like doesn't actually do anything it's just like "Mm, this could give you cancer in california what is up with the mattress tags anyway i never understood that i don't know either i it's like it's like you can't remove them under penalty of law but that's that's talking to the mattress sellers right that's not that's not a warning for the end consumer i would imagine but why is it why are the mattresses that regulated compared to like i don't know you do spend like eight hours on them every day it's like it is where you spend a lot of time that's true do you have to like they should have like a mattress like realtor who has to like sell people's mattresses for them because it's like a house basically i mean it's have you bought a mattress before it's not unlike that yeah i guess it's not i mean you can buy them online like without like you know yeah yeah these are casper mattresses uh get a mattress size of mini fridge uh you can't please uh daniel don't say the the name of any uh male brand of mattresses unless they want to sponsor podcasts. <laughs> male brand. So I can say the female yeah, brand, like Lisa? M-A-I-L, like male. Oh, like the I thought you were saying is Casper and Sleepies were both male names. But like no, if I said Lisa, no. that'd be fine. No, I meant, I meant that you buy them and they send you them in the mail. <laughs> but they are they are manly mattresses. We all accept. Yeah, Casper is the male male mattress store. <laughs> uh, should we do the episode? Oh, I guess. <laughs> 
Well, where's Lisa? Lisa always takes care of us. Hi, welcome to We're Not Here to Watch Friends, the podcast about the uh, filmography and television of the cast of Friends, except the TV show Friends by two friends, Brandon and Daniel. I'm Brandon. I'm Daniel. We never get through that. You know, like every time it's just, it's it's too wordy, but I don't know how to shorten it. Well, I feel like the wordy part's part of the fun though. Yeah, it is. It, we have sort of figured out the best version of it, but also we can't, I can't stop co- like meta commentating on it after every introduction. Yeah. It is hard to not do it. It's it's a reoccurring bit, actually. The fans love it. It's their favorite part. Oh, yeah. They turn off the episode after we do that. They, they love the beginning sort of uh, me complaining about something um, and then the introduction and then they skip to the suggestions. Yes. Those are the two parts they get the most. It's like, you know, like on YouTube, they have like the most played part of the video on there or like SoundCloud. Yeah. Uh, for us, it's that for sure. Oh, man. Uh, former former friend uh, or not, not former friend, current <laughs> friend of the pod former guest uh adrian was telling me that he was watching a clip of some documentary and uh like the the woodstock 1999 documentary on he's been talking about that a lot yeah what no no (laughs) wait has he told you about this well i don't know he told me about this but he's told me he watched it he was watching a clip on youtube and he was like i think i think there was like a naked woman and then he looked at the youtube (laughs) clip and it was the most rewatched section so everyone else was also tr- just being like wait was she naked just there oh and rewatching it <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, before we get into today's movie, I wanted to quickly discuss a breaking news, uh, or not oh. breaking, but recent news that we've received regarding Lisa Kudrow. Oh, oh, I think I know what this is about, but I'm I sure will. you do. Yeah. So it took the internet by storm, but uh, Spencer Pratt from uh, The Hills, right? And uh, what's the one before? Was he in Laguna Beach or was he just in The Hills? I think he was either just way. in The Hills. He probably was. Uh, either way, Spencer Pratt said that once when he and Heidi Montag were at a party with Lisa Kudrow. She came up to Heidi and said, and Heidi Montag and Spencer Pratt are together, I guess, still. I didn't know that, actually. They, yes. still they got married in 2008. I knew they were, like, were married, but I didn't realize they were still together. Like, good for them, I guess. Do you know what, do you know what their child, his, like, child's name is? No. His his child's name is Gunner Stone. Gunner Stone. Gunner Stone is, like, if there was, like, a male version of Bond girls, then Gunner Stone would be one of them. Probably. He could be the first. Yeah. Off. Uh, but uh, Spencer first sent a video saying, hey, if I, uh, Lisa Kudrow is mean, uh, if you, if this video gets a million likes or views or something, I will tell you why she was, you know, try to clickbait everybody. And then the reason was because Lisa cho- told Heidi Montag that Spencer had the eyes of a serial killer, which honestly, kind of does. I'm, I'm taking Lisa's side here. I know. Like, I, as soon as I saw this, I was like, there's no way it's actually anything that like matters. Uh, and then like Bethany Frankel also chimed in from Real Housewives and said the same thing like oh lisa kudrow is also mean to me on my talk show it's like all right i feel like people just don't get lisa kudrow because she just sort of calls him like she sees him you know she's not being rude she's just like a comedic person and so sometimes she's just being like zing gotcha zing ya and like that's fine sorry there's a bird outside my window that's why i made that weird face what kind of bird uh, i don't know like a crow or something Ooh. it looked like it was trying to get in and then it flew away you playing wagon wheel in like your living room no because it wasn't an old crow and there was no medicine show. It was a young crow RX performance. <laughs> 
That'd be a good uh, cover band name for the uh, old Crow. Why would they keep Crow though? <laughs> it'd have it'd be, it'd be like it'd have to be like young. Um, what's another type of bird? <laughs> well, young. you can also just do a murder of crows, like young murder. Okay, yeah, young murder is a good rapper name. Ooh, yeah, that is a good rapper. Um, but yeah, young murder RX performance. People yeah. will be like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> um, sorry, I'm very distracted. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I think uh, Lisa Kudrow, innocent, did nothing wrong. Spencer Pratt kind of has serial killer eyes. It's fine. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, Patrick Bateman had serial killer eyes too. Yeah. It's crazy that like, like the coverage this got, I thought I saw it on like maybe now. Okay. So I thought my memory is like, oh, I saw that like the Hill, like the Washington Post, like, you know, kind of Capitol Hill gossip mag, but it's just because Spencer Pratt was on the Hills. And that's, that's where I, why I saw, thought I saw it on the Hill. I feel like the Hill is obligated to report on this though, because it's part of their name. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, do you ever read the Hill? It is awful. It's a real, real trash, trashy piece of garbage. It's, it is practically page six for Washington, D.C. more than it is like actual like news about what's happening in like legislation and politics. It is very, it's, it's truly garbage. I read it every single day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do not read it, but I feel like Lisa Kudrow should show up there at some point, hopefully for, I don't know why, but that's she my recommendation. We could do like a shittier beat, you know? Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as like cutting. It would be more like, uh, like it would be like less political, but she, she has like, like real like pantsuit personality. You know what I mean? I feel like the comeback is her Veep though, in terms of yeah, like... Yeah, it's, I mean, it is. It, 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 it essentially is. And she's, she's great in it. That's actually one of like the better things that she's ever done. Oh, well, uh, speaking of, uh, the worst thing she's ever done, this week we are discussing the movie Paperman. Oh uh, man, I, I didn't hate this movie as much as I'm assuming you did. Uh, and I, maybe as I, I described this movie to my girlfriend after I watched it as I didn't hate it as much as I should have. Yeah, I think I I actually didn't really hate it. And it gave me a little bit of an existential crisis in terms of every movie that came out around this time that has like the similar vibe to it of like, wait, do I hate all those movies or do I like all of them? Or what's my opinion on them? Yeah. Because basically, well, so this movie is a, I guess, dramedy. Uh, yeah. Starring, yeah, dramedy, right? I guess. Dramedy, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In that 2009 way that also current way, we've talked about this before, the way that like all comedies and dramas are just sort of the same now. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but it basically, so it's Jeff Daniels plays a struggling writer who has an imaginary childhood friend that's a superhero uh, played by Ryan Reynolds named uh, Captain Excellent. And uh, he creepily befriends Emma Stone, who's a high school student. And uh, while also, uh, I guess, I would say like dealing with his wife, Lisa Kudrow, but I guess Lisa Kudrow has to basically just deal with him doing weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, he, it's it's about a, it's, you know, it's about he's like kind of washed up trying to write his next book. And there's like so many, so many like movies with this premise of just like a neurotic guy tries to write a book and it's about them like also befriending like another weirdo um and yeah, uh, yeah it's this one this one has like a uh, weird vibes that i kind of think work up until like the last quarter of the movie when it gets when it, there's there's like a line that's always there and all the characters acknowledge that there's a line there and they're like this the friendship is like innocent but inappropriate and then once the like he decides to like throw a bunch of high schoolers a party i'm like all right now this is too weird yeah because like i mean basically the point is that he sees emma stone at some uh convenience store i guess and like she goes into like the back alley of it and he just follows her for no given reason 
to me, at least. Well, like, originally he's going to confront her because she lit the trash can on fire. And oh, yeah, that's right. But that was kind of... He was going to be like, hey, but then he's like weirdly infatuated by her and decides to like, you know, invite, uh, hire her to be a babysitter for a child he doesn't have. Which uh, is such a, like, I mean, obviously the point of it is supposed to be that it's odd and makes no sense, but I can't imagine anyone ever doing that in real life. Like, at least say like a house sitter or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I kind of like it um, if they could have figured out a way to, because they, tr- it like, it like almost works, which bothers me about it. It's like, he's like, oh, he's just like a weird dude who like doesn't even really know what he's doing with this girl or like why he's doing it. And if they could have figured out a way to just be like, you know, father figure, father daughter relationship instead of this weird, like almost sexual, but not quite all, but then also still father daughter thing that they did. It just, they just couldn't, they just couldn't decide on like what lane to be in. And like, I don't know, man, you like, like it, you, you can't really make a uh, lovable uh, pedophile on film. Uh, you can't do it. Yeah. American Beauty tried. Yeah. Well, Lolita tried twice. Yeah. Uh, Leon the Professional. Everyone's trying. Most people yeah. who try it usually have weird uh, things. But themselves. like, but like in the hands of someone else, this movie could be like a like Tom Hanks befriends a local weirdo movie and it would be completely non-sexual and it would have been great. You know, it would have been like, yeah, he's a grown up or like a Robin Williams still has a, like an imaginary friend also played by Robin Williams and befriends children. Like what I'm saying is the pieces are there of this movie where it could have been like just like a fun family film instead of like or even like, you know, a more an adult film, but just the sexual energy in it is upsetting. And so it doesn't na- it doesn't stick the landing, you know? Yeah, I think that's part of my issue with it. Um, do we want to talk about some of the supporting cast in the movie? Yeah, man. Uh, sure. uh, one of the people in the movie, Hunter Parrish, plays Emma Stone's on and off boyfriend who he basically like doesn't she he doesn't respect her at all but she's infatuated with him somewhat for some reason yeah uh, he's from weeds i don't know if you ever watch weeds i did watch weeds uh some of it anyway good yeah he's good in it uh and this he just basically is just a straight up asshole stereotypical high school student his main role comes towards the later part of the movie when uh jeff daniels for some reason agrees to throw a party for him and his friends don't really know why that happened uh and they get into a fight at the party and then he fucks off and is not seen for this movie um but yeah i, I don't know like the, having like an asshole boyfriend for the character i guess it kind of makes sense to have that for this character but i also feel like it distracts from part of the plot for involving yeah her. it's a little it's a little hat on a hat because there's also karen mulklin in it who is also sort of playing an asshole boyfriend character but like asshole in like a whiny scott pilgrim way instead of like a i don't care about you and i'm just using you for sex way uh and then the reveal which okay so um you know it's revealed at one point that he is her imaginary friend um, as opposed to uh, Jeff Daniels imaginary friend who is played by Ryan Reynolds and in that scene when like Ryan Reynolds and him are talking to each other yeah uh, what are you smiling at oh no I have thoughts on this scene (laughs) in that scene are you supposed to know prior that he was her imaginary friend or is that like the is that like a big reveal that's the reveal okay because I was like that the way they play it I was kind of like have they said that already 
everybody like i don't know i don't it, for some reason i got the like the vibe from it that i missed something and not that they were doing like the big reveal what what are your thoughts on that scene well i guess a few thoughts first off i accidentally got that spoiled for me before because a lot of the plot descriptions for this movie on like various websites mention like that both of them have imaginary friends so as soon as i saw that i'm like well clearly emma stone's imaginary friends kieran colgan yeah um so interesting that a lot of people are trying to are spoiling that for some reason on like various like you know summaries of the movie basically uh and so my other thought is who was that for the benefit for of that both of them are talking to each other like i mean i know it's supposed to be sort of like kind of surreal but who who benefits from them talking to each other because both jeff daniels and emma stone never really reveal to each other they have imaginary friends do they or does jeff daniels reveal to emma stone at any point uh i i be- I, I don't believe he does i think the only character who knows that uh he has like an imaginary friend from his childhood that he still like talks to is his wife lisa lisa kudra uh, yeah so i just don't really see how them talking i know it clearly makes no sense anyway but it also doesn't make any sense anyway i think it's just supposed to be sort of like a twist for like a twist's sake but it, it i th- i think again it would have worked better if like you knew from the get-go that they were like you know both met because you know right away that ryan reynolds is not real like the way it's shot and stuff and it's like sort of hinted at but there's no real payoff because it's it's revealed that uh he's an imaginary friend just in time for him to get killed off um which just very dramatic and upsetting to like have her walk in on him hanging himself and also just being like well that's just her imagination like she like they sort of hint through the imaginary friend that she's like way more fucked up than she acts you know Um, yeah i i really that scene where like he hangs himself was really messed up i feel like it was like i don't understand especially because like uh like the way the movie ends is like jeff daniels just says goodbye to ryan reynolds and then that's basically it whereas uh emma stone says goodbye to her imaginary friends by having him uh kill himself in her bedroom this is sort of why i think like the last quarter of the movie doesn't really work because it's like it's like you know this neurotic weird uh writer who like is befriending this like neighborhood girl and it's like kind of weird and inappropriate but also they don't you know they don't do anything like he got drunk one night and that was like not great but like it was like still relatively above board all things considered you know like nothing nothing like happened it's just a weird unfortunate situation that was completely his fault because he was drunk and like sort of i don't know not flirting but like weird but like redeemable i guess is what i'm saying that scene is like he can come back from that and yeah then the, the last like 20 minutes or so it's like the party the the like you know the imaginary friend kills himself then he like writes her this letter and then they kiss at the very end and it's just sort of like what like like it felt like it was going somewhere and then it just like there's no payoff for all of the like decisions he was making you know like it either needed to blow up more in his face and he needed to become like like the reveal would be like oh he's like an actual shitty person and like fuck this guy or it needed to be like wow i don't really have like a you know a father in my life and now and you don't have a kid and now we're just friends and instead it like did neither and it just got weird and it just like i don't know it it felt like up until the the party there really could have been like a nice ending that worked out for everyone uh and instead it was just sort of like everything works out for him in a really annoying way like an unearned way yeah it kind of just works out just because of movie logic yeah like lisa kudrow forgives him and emma stone and him are like buds but not and then he also like grew as a person and figured out how to write his book but none of that none of that is like deserved and it's really frustrating and like obviously it's like kind of creepy but like whatever like you know creepy stuff can happen if it's earned in movies 
and it's not. So it's creepy. That's yeah. why it's creepy. It was like creepy in a way where I'm just like, this is just odd. It's not even like it, but it's it just doesn't really work for me entirely. Yeah, yeah. I feel like sometimes we complain about stuff, and I I always try to make a point of being like, you know, Daniel and I are smart enough to know that like if someone does bad actions in a movie, it's it, a movie's not saying, hey, this is good actually, and this is like an endorsement of dudes in their 40s like hanging around 16 year old girls, and that's not what we're saying. We're just saying it's just like the stuff that happens there. You have to there has to be cause and effect in storytelling, and this doesn't have it. No, it absolutely doesn't. Like the only effect is just both of them move on with their lives at the end of the movie, I guess. Which you know, movies can do that and be like, the characters didn't really change from this movie, but this movie yeah. kind of just does it just because they run out of plot and writing. Right, and like typically, I like a movie that just sort of ends. You know, like like I think there's a lot of really good movies. Like uh, I mean, I talk about Joe Schwamberg all the time, but like uh, you know, he writes movies about basically every one of his movies is like five thirty year olds get a cabin, and the whole movie is just what happens over the course of the weekend and nothing gets really resolved but on sunday they all drive home and those movies are great um, yeah yeah i don't mind a movie that just ends but like there's just no like i don't know there's no like internal logic to it no not really i mean you know it's fine i i, I didn't like hate it necessarily that it just ends like that that seems like the thing that every movie has to do with this time period but it's just you know it's just kind of there it doesn't really do anything at the end that makes me go wow that was really like good ending yeah so i'm curious like i've, I've been talking specifically about how like the back fourth of the movie doesn't work you watched it in two parts right what was your what were your thoughts when you took your like how far did you watch in and what were you like oh what were you like thinking of the movie at that point and then once you finished it like i'm assuming it did a 180 like it did for me but where exactly were you when you took a break uh so i took a break i want to say maybe about around the point where emma stone reveals her past trauma with like her twin sister dying like i think that was probably about when i stopped the movie and then started again later uh and i think up to that i was sort of in because i think emma stone does a really good job in this movie like i think yeah. she's probably the best performance i'd say no i agree i agree i think i think she's probably the best and then lisa kudrow and then uh uh Culkin yeah and, karen Culkin. Uh, then uh daniels and ryan reynolds are fine you know i i didn't like ryan reynolds in this movie but i know that's just because i don't like a lot of his like shtick i guess i i found his at his performance pretty reserved and held back for what i know to be a standard ryan reynolds performance to be I fair this is before he becomes a standard Ryan Reynolds performance. That that is a good point. That is a good point. But I was like, wow, he's doing his shtick, but it's like not like like Ryan Reynolds reminds me of like your most annoying friend in middle school getting jacked up on sugar and doing a Jim Carrey impression. You know, like, <laughs> he's always like so close to like a alrighty then, you know, yeah. like that bullshit. But like specifically not pulling it off because he's like middle school. He's a middle schooler in his forties, um, and so I fucking hate most of his movies but i was like you know what he's not doing a horrible job here no he's a little more dialed down um but i wasn't really a huge fan of his deal in the first half of the movie or the second half uh and emma stone was really the only saving part of the movie for me like anytime she got to do like a monologue or something i was sort of more in yeah i kind of think that the imaginary character like angle on this movie doesn't really make any sense or work at all or, or is necessary it feels like to me that like they wrote a movie and then they were like fuck we gotta like have a character who can be like hey it's creepy that you hang out with a girl in high school and then they're like oh well we don't want to introduce like a third character 
character because like the whole thing is he's lonely and so then it, like it feels like they had the whole movie made and then they were like oh we gotta do something because otherwise this is just a movie about a pedophile <laughs> yeah i feel like that movie would have been better though <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean then it just is lolita <laughs> yeah that's true uh i've not seen lolita to be fair um and i don't know if i think the imaginary friend angle made any sense in this movie because even kieran culkin who i thought was like pretty decent in this movie he feels also just very like sort of just there and then once yeah. it's revealed he's an imaginary friend we never see him talk to her again like it's, it's very funny to me like you know this is it's kind of like very obviously written by a uh, uh like a male writer because it's like uh 16 year old girl what what kind of imaginary friend would she have uh an emo girl an, an emo dude who's like uh madly in love with her for no reason um oh shit it isn't it is written well, by a man yeah. and a woman though i'm about to say it's written by dermot mulroney's brother and his sister-in-law that is insane so um kieran Culkin, i don't know exactly how much of this role was written for him but he apparently read the script for this movie so it's possible he saw this role and he apparently for years tried to push to be in this movie uh like he he like basically demanded meetings with the directors of this movie uh like multiple times apparently to try to get in it uh which is very odd considering that his role in this movie is very small and i'm assuming maybe they gave him a smaller role yeah but i it kind of makes sense that he would want to be in this kind of role at the time that was sort of what he was trying to do right like he was always like he wanted to become like a more more like serious actor than his brother was um he didn't want yeah, to yeah i mean this is this is before like a few of his like bigger or i mean not like i mean i think he's in like a couple random like kind of dramedy types in this era also yeah. or at least like he was but like he did take a break he like all the, i feel like all the colkins took a break from acting for a few years yeah and i don't think he's different yeah. and when he i the first thing i saw him come back on was scott pilgrim uh which i thought he's pretty good in yeah. um I, th- and- I, feel, I feel like he didn't really figure out what type of actor he should have been until secession well i like he's in a few good things um i think weirdly enough his i don't know if you've done the movie margaret no. it's like an Anne Paquin movie that um the guy who made manchester by the sea directed and wrote but it's yeah. a really good movie there's like a director's cut there was a director's cut on hbo that was like three hours long that's really good but uh he plays a similar role in that movie to this one sort of although he be, he's a little bit more sleazy in that movie than he is here yeah. um but he kind of plays like the sort of awkward teenager who's infatuated sort of with the, someone um vaguely although he's more of an asshole there so he kind of already is making the transition to succession sort of yeah i feel like i feel like if he wanted to be in this movie super badly it was because he wanted to do like he's like i need my own donnie darko you know i need to be like a sad emo kid that has like a weird magical element to it that isn't really explained well but he's not the main character no no but like you know he wants to be like this is like an audition for someone to give him more more roles like that you know yeah i guess and i don't know it didn't seem like that word i feel like the scott pilgrim role was the one that kind of defined him because every role he has after that is slightly in that vein like he does a few things that are more darker villainy like he's in fargo right um, no what i'm saying is if he wanted to be in it like you said then that's probably what he was going for and then it turns out everyone likes it when he's like the snarky roommate way more yeah which you know he is better in that way yeah scott pilgrim uh okay i haven't revisited in a while but where do we land on that as a as a podcast i like scott pilgrim a lot i think it's one of my i feel like it's weird once again any movie where they just make them like love interest just barely under 18 for some reason always kind of is weird to me but that movie that's like my only complaint about the movie i think the movie is almost close to perfect beyond that i think it's a great movie. yeah and i think i think part of that like the making her young thing is like uh uh like part of it is just like the whole like scott pilgrim sucks like that's the whole thing 
is like he's just sort of a shitty dude and so making knives this like young girl who's in love with him and he treats her like shit is like I think that it helps sort of sell you on like him being sort of a dick um, you know like he's like not a not a good protagonist um, and that's just kind of like why the movie works yeah I guess that's true because um, I like when I rewatched it again I went through that with that lens when he would ever have any conversation with the knives and it kind of does feel like they are purposely trying to make it seem like this is weird yeah um, you know it, it's one of those movies that I feel like gets misinterpreted a lot because everyone's like like oh this is so gross and it's like yeah that's like the point like it's it's making fun of that like it's this is it's like a mild form of satire it's you know it's not entirely subtle either the whole movie is supposed to look like a video game like come on right that's true um but no i like the movie a lot uh i like it more than this movie yeah oh yeah 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 i this movie um even compared to just other movies we've seen just for the podcast real middle of the road which i feel like we don't get very often i feel like normally it's like terrible or like wow surprisingly delightful um but yeah this is this is a real dead center yeah i feel like we'll get we'll get that a lot with like lisa kudrow because she does a lot of indie movies like this like this movie is very similar thematically to kablooey i yeah. feel like which we oh, did yeah. a few months ago uh I, like you're completely right comedy drama lisa kudrow's in it uh and fucking uh chris parnell's in both movies too yeah real it's crazy he was like in the opening credits like he's like like probably like sixth or seventh build uh and then he's in the movie for two minutes was he actually in the opening credits because i didn't see him when i i mean i did not that i didn't see him i just didn't remember him being in there so i was surprised to see him on screen he 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 must have been uh only because like i didn't look up anything about this movie beforehand i went into it completely blind and i spent most of the movie being like where the fuck is chris parnell you know okay where's my man they must have had like scenes get cut with him like maybe like there's a scene before with lisa kudrow talking to him somewhere probably because her brain then to the house felt so out of like plot like it didn't seem like it made any sense um and it's really weird how he only had like three lines pretty much yeah. like he he's with like i guess that's his is that supposed to be his wife i guess that yes. he's with and they walk in they go in the kitchen have a conversation you can't really hear that well i had to, like turn subtitles on and hear what they were saying because they were basically muttering under their breath i guess on purpose but they were talking about like she like the first thing they say is her is like um saying like do you think that was a chipmunk we hit when we drove over here and he's like, <laughs> i don't know they hibernate and that was like their conversation <laughs> well this this movie does come out before the um like chris parnellissance that is like his you know like post snl career where he does um 30 rock and then he's on archer and rick and morty and becomes like a voice actor like he's like still on snl in 2009 so it, you know wait no he's not on snl in 2009 at that point i believe so does he leave in 2008 no he i feel like he maybe he i don't know for some reason i thought he because he's like left. i guess maybe he is maybe i'm just getting the years wrong um but no, i'm pretty sure he leaves like way I'm before then sure like he, he keeps coming back for various things but i feel like he like left like double check before i started really watching snl which is like 2007 you're right chris parnell actually had left snl in 2006 i only think that he was still on in 2009 because he came back to do tom uh, uh tom brokaw during all of the 2008 um uh, saturday night on thursdays oh. and so he was like on regularly on the thursday night political shows uh and so i just assumed that he was part of the regular cast but he was not either way um, being on snl I think either way though yeah it gives you more than three lines in a movie i feel like yeah i mean he he had already done walk hard at this point like you know um but i guess i guess it is like you know before i feel like 30 rock is right around when people are like oh wait this guy is like we let's put him in literally everything yeah but even still like it's just this really reminds me of like was it in joshi 
I think, one of the Swanberg types. I think Joe Swanberg, is it he who makes a cameo? One of those, like, director writers makes a cameo for, like, two minutes as, like, one of the other friends who doesn't want to go with them on the party. And, like, he just leaves the movie. And it's like, that's a fun little cameo from a director writer of the movie or whatever. But yeah. seeing that for a Chris Parnell type seems like a waste, pretty much, to me. It, it is weird he agreed to do this, you know? It must be just one of those things where he, like, knows the people behind it or he just, you know, I mean, like, no one got paid for this movie, probably, like, that much. So he probably just said, like, maybe it's, like, a favor to somebody. Maybe he and Lisa Kudrow were tight after filming Kablooey together. So she needed someone, like, very crucial to play the husband of a couple friends of hers that occasionally appear for two seconds. Yeah. I mean, looking through his IMDb, you kind of get the impression that this is a man who has never turned down a bag in his life. Uh, so maybe that's also it. They'll just be like, well, get Chris Parnell. He has never turned down work ever. He'll be in anything. Yeah, I mean, like, it probably costs, like, what, like, $100 to get up to Montauk from New York City or wherever he lives. And he probably got paid maybe, like, you know, 1000 2000 to be in the movie. I guess it's a net positive for him. Yeah, and I am I believe, uh, uh, you know, SAG, Screen Actors Guild, rules. <laughs> Uh, he has to be reimbursed for travel. So the further away he is, the better. You know, that's all money, man. And that that money is not uh, susceptible to um, dues, pension, and health and taxes. That's a per diem. Wow. That's just on top of whatever you're making. Yeah. He should have been further away then so he could travel more. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like he's, you know, barely in this movie. Um, like it seems like he's like, and, like you know, I mean, even like Kablooey, he has a way bigger role than he does here. Like, he's kind of just yeah. there. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it is odd for him to show up, but I don't think it would have been as weird in 2009 to just be like, oh, Chris Parnell, you know? Like, he's weirdly more famous now than he was when, back then. Yeah, he's on people who had, like, a good, like, SNL post-career. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's on, like, season 900 of Archer and season 750 of Rick and Morty at this point. Like, the guy the guy's doing pretty well for himself. Although animated actors don't get much money, usually. No, yeah, but, I mean, he's a major fan franchises yeah that's true um my i was i thought of a fan theory that i was hoping would come true in this movie not that i was hoping i was watching it but now i'm like man i wish this was true was that those two were actually lisa kudrow's imaginary friends and oh like that would be that'd be fun because jeff daniels barely acknowledges them he mostly just fights with lisa kudrow um but he does acknowledge them just enough to the point where it's like oh it doesn't work but do you think this movie would have been better from lisa kudrow's perspective like no i think it'd be boring (laughs) Where it's like a woman who has a neurotic husband and then, well, but it would be a medical drama. Uh, You know, during the week she's doing surgeries and stuff. And then on the weekend, she's dealing with her useless husband. It feels like more like a Showtime TV show from 2010 than it does a movie. Um, yeah, but yeah, I because like she basically just keeps she basically calls or checks in with him like once a week and is like, why did you do this? Why is the couch in the front yard? Why did you drink yeah. our five thousand dollar bottle of wine that we were going to give to a children's fundraiser for some reason? Why did why did you put paper on the couch and all this stuff? And it's basically just the whole movie is just her keep coming back and just being like, what's going on here? And then finally she catches him and Emma Stone sleeping on the couch together, not like sexually, but still weirdly. Uh, and she gets mad. It, it would be fine for you know like you could explain away like like oh like i fell asleep on the couch after befriending a local youth like it would still be weird but you could explain it away to your wife you cannot be when it's also and i also threw all of the local local youths a like keg party last night for some reason you know yeah like it would still be weird but you could be like i mean all right you have like an unlikely friendship but with the party then it's like no you're just a pervert and speaking of the party uh i mean like 
like I'm all for comedic uh logic in terms of just characters being too dumb for their own good. But like the decorations he had for the party were clearly not decorations any high school student would want for their party. And he went to high school and most likely knows that, even though he was mostly a loner. It still feels like that was a little bit odd. Yeah, you know, like I, I would let it go if the movie was better and then little things like that don't bother me. But when a movie is bad, everything they do wrong, you know, everything that is wrong bothers me. And I'm just like, come on, come on, man. Yeah, I didn't, I, I was just like, this just seems odd to have this be the thing, but whatever. Yeah. Speaking of the party scene, like the song they play in it uh, at the very beginning of the party scene sounds like it's trying to be low by Flo Rida and T-Pain really badly, but just not. <laughs> I wonder if that's just like a music rights thing. They wanted a bigger song, but they're just like, oh, we can't get that. Let's just commission someone to write a song that sounds like low. I'm Yes, I'm guessing that that's what happened. I didn't catch that, though. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, it just the beat sounded very similar. Like the lyrics were not, but like it just sounded similar enough. It was like, this seems like it's definitely at least inspired by it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Um. It, I don't know. It was, a, it was there's like some funny thing, though, in the movie, like because they tried there to be sort of funny. I think the funniest thing to me was just that uh, at the beginning, they like implied that like a a fun game night for him and Lisa Kudrow is for them to play Operation together and she is a surgeon so she always wins. Yeah. <laughs> like that was kind of fun. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed the like the like the couch being a problem that like happens earlier enough in the movie that you're like charmed by his neuroses you know. Yeah. Uh, and like him not being able to decide the name of his character getting like stuck on that first sentence. Uh, but then that comes out being important in the end where he just names the character himself and that kind of sucks speaking of things that suck the um timing of when they say like the movie's title also i thought was annoying like both of them are supposed to kind of make be like a oh wow that's cool he named the character after himself or oh wow they said the name of the movie but it just kind of comes off as okay we know it's the name of the movie like i hate when a movie has a title in the movie just on for the purpose of eliciting that response from a crowd of being like oh wow that's the name of this movie yeah yeah it, it was a very he said the thing scene that was very stupid yeah i also feel like there's a huge lack of payoff where he has a superhero imaginary friend and he's a writer and like they didn't like make the resolution that like he writes the comics and then abby like illustrates them of emma stone's character oh yeah like i'm i'm maybe i'm just too basic and i want like a simpler payoff but it does seem like that that's what they were setting up the whole movie for and then it ends up just being like no it's weird and worse and stupider and lamer than that. I, I mean, like, I don't, I don't mind that because at least that's something that, like, they kind of potentially could have foreshadowed, I guess, a bit. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, that's a that's a good point, though. That would have been a way better, more, or at least more interesting version of this movie to end on that. Speaking of Ryan Reynolds as a superhero, having a superhero in a movie that costs, like, less than a million dollars or seeming less than a million dollars, I think it was, like, maybe four million, probably. But um, having a movie that costs so little, having a superhero character is usually a waste because it's just like, well, clearly he's not going to do anything superhero-y. So he just kind of sits there, falls in the water. That's like the only stunt they have is Ryan Reynolds falling into the water. And that's not a superhero thing. It just seems odd that they have a character who they don't really give any ideas of like what his powers would supposedly be in this specific like, yeah. logic. Um, I mean, he does fly at the end. That's true. And he also flicks off uh, uh, Jeff Daniels yeah. at the end. So but every superhero have flies. Looked, not every superhero. Yeah, I, I went to go look for the budget for this movie, um, which I could not find. But I did find the box office results did you know this movie made thirteen thousand dollars well we had kablooey makes me wary of any indie film in 2000 something box office numbers uh since they lie to us but that would make sense though because this movie did not do well presumably yeah. since i did not really know about yeah. it existing until now very 
very limited release, it looks like. Shocker. Um, yeah. But the reason why I said four million was because I read an article um, from the director and writer of the movie, like the couple who wrote this and directed this together. And they said that the, um, like, they were comparing this movie to, because they also did Sherlock Holmes 2 Game of Shadows also immediately after this movie. Um, and they were comparing the budgets for those. And they were like, this movie costs like four million and like whatever Sherlock Holmes 2 costs. So I was like, okay, I guess this movie costs like four million then. Um, yeah. All right. But they also wrote some weird they were like apparently script doctors but they also like write like a bunch of weird action movies so this is like a weird kind of takeaway from that because they wrote um i guess they were script doctors on mr and mrs smith the poseidon movie in the 2000s um the lake house for some reason and then the movie mirrors um and then they also wrote sherlock holmes 2 and geostorm and then they wrote the story for power rangers which you need to get the story from the comic book i would assume i don't know why you need the story credit. yeah it's weird that they got a story by credit for that that's very strange or something that has mythology like yeah. I don't think you really get a story by credit for that. Um, Maybe they wrote for like the TV show briefly or something. I'm pretty sure it's just the movie. Yeah, they get story by credits. Like the screenplay is by some other guy and then four of the people get story credits. So presumably what happened was they just had multiple scripts come up and like if you don't get the script that gets used, you just get a story by credit later on. So that's most likely yeah. what happened, but it still seems weird to be like, oh, we need to take elements from other scripts for this movie. Um, yeah. For Power Rangers, but you know, whatever. Um, So they, like I, it seems like they wanted to do this movie as kind of like a way to sort of like relax from doing sort of script doctoring for like action movies like something different like that they could basically cultivate as their own thing because this is one of the only things they directed I think of the things that they were yeah. part of um although and apparently um Ryan Reynolds was uh, attached to the movie for like years according to an interview I read with the Mulroneys and he apparently turned down like bigger roles to be in this movie because he was like already committed to it and they had to like you know indie movies always take forever to get like the budget working or whatever so yeah he turned down like bigger roles to be in this movie and they're like oh i bet his agent was mad at us and i'm like oh, yeah ryan reynolds had like a six-year dead period after this movie i bet his agent was mad at you <laughs> yeah well he spent all six years trying to get that awful blonde hair dye out <laughs> that was in the- that's true um and uh he also in 2020 someone tweeted like a critic tweeted at ryan reynolds uh saying like i just saw paperman on amazon prime uh i have so many questions for ryan reynolds and then tagged him and then ryan reynolds says uh, tweeted back saying i have zero answers <laughs> Really, he's, you know, just not, he isn't not, he's not really fond of this movie, I guess, necessarily from that. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine anyone who was involved with this, like, wants to, like, hang their hat on it. I don't, I don't think it's, like, the worst thing I've ever seen, but it is wildly forgettable. Yeah, and it's weird because it comes out the same year as another Ryan Reynolds, um, like, sort of indie contemplative movie that I really like that is, uh, set in, like, you know, Northeast, kind of similar to this, uh, Adventureland, um, which, great I love that movie a lot. And I was watching this movie and I was like, shit, do I hate Adventureland? Because this movie has a very similar vibe to the to Adventureland. And I clearly don't, but this movie makes me think I hate other movies that I like because it was executed poorly of a version of a good movie. See, yeah, I, I think I had like the opposite reaction where I was <laughs> tricked into liking this movie for a lot longer than I should have because it has the vibe of movies I really like, which is like sort of that like indie sort of nothing happens type movie. Yeah, I... I go back and forth on those types of movies a lot of the time, especially ones that sort of wrap up the story at the end, just sort of for because they just need to. Um, I prefer if they're funny, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which this one wasn't. This one tried to be funny, I guess, occasionally. Uh, and the ending where they have a after credit or mid credit scene where Ryan Reynolds flicks off Jeff Daniels as he's leaving, and then Jeff Daniels looks back multiple times while he's driving, smiles at Ryan Reynolds flicking him off, and not looks at the does not look at the road at all. Um, oh, I did not realize there was an end credit scene. I shut this thing off as soon as it 
ended. It basically just has like Ryan Reynolds like sort of like waving goodbye to Jeff Daniels and then like turning his hand around and then just like flicking him off. And then Jeff Daniels mm. looks back and is like, oh, you, that's so silly. <laughs> You're so funny. You hate, you love doing that stuff or whatever. And like, it's, it was annoying. I was like, oh God, this was not worth having in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I only had one more thing in my notes, which, so are Emma Stone's parents dead? Is that what's going on? Because they like are not in the movie at all. And then at one point, um, uh, Karen Culkin is like, would you rather have no friends or no parents? And then they like hug. Uh, and it's just like, is, there, is that is that what's going on? And she doesn't have either. She's just like a 16 year old girl living alone. Oh, I was wondering because like she would, she would describe her parents when she was talking about her dead sister a lot of the time. But she never said yeah. that they died, I don't think. So maybe they just exist, but they we just, just don't see them. Yeah, they just like aren't asking a lot of follow up <laughs> questions about this babysitting gig she has, I guess. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, yeah. They, they couldn't cast them. They didn't have enough in the budget to cast two parents. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and um, speaking of her like sister, I was sort of wondering why, like, whenever a movie makes reference to someone having like a twin, I always am like, all right, where's the reveal coming for why they're a twin? But there wasn't a reveal in this movie as to why she had a twin. Um. Well, it's just so someone her same age died. You know? I know, but I was hoping it'd be something like this whole time, the, every other scene, Jeff Daniels was seeing Emma Stone's twin dead sister as his imaginary friend or something and that the real emma stone is only seen in the scenes where she's creeped out by his advance i don't know something weird like that like they should have had some reason to have her have a twin at least have a I feel, like i feel like the the only other time like if there's not like a reason for them to be twins for like mistaken identity stuff the only other time they do it is when one of the twins is dead and so then it's like like wow like not only a sibling but their best friend because they're the same age you know yeah that's true i guess but i don't know i wanted something where like jeff daniels at the end has to kill his imaginary friend and emma stone and emma stone's twin sister both show up and they have to convince jeff daniels that they're the real emma stone and the other one is the twin oh and he's like on a rooftop with a gun yeah he's on a rooftop with a gun and like it's like dark at night and very gritty and it's like no i'm the real yeah. emma stone no i'm the real maybe it's raining a little bit. definitely some rain for sure yeah and they're like shouting over something you know like it's like a helicopter in the background and they're just like no shoot her oh yeah there's obviously a helicopter and i guess like the reason why he chooses the correct one was because one of them gave him a uh the recommendation for what was the thing that she gave him in the beginning of the movie that was like the pepper he thought it was like pepper spray but what was it oh it was a hand soap hand soap one of them gave him a hand soap and the other one doesn't wash her hands and that's when he realizes which one's the real emma stone so he shoots the other one Uh, he kills the emma stone that told him he should be in this movie (laughs) the one known as his uh agent um and uh seeing the Jeff Daniels I like you know when I was watching this movie part of me was just sort of like not paying attention to it and just looking at other stuff and I somehow got on a weird like newsroom tangent and the newsroom tangent was unrelated to Jeff Daniels being in this movie and it took me about like 15 minutes into my tangent to be like oh hey wait wait a second they both have the same lead actor <laughs> I don't know how I didn't put that were, were, were the tangent were you like talking to your roommate or were you just like going down like a wiki rabbit hole I was on like reddit like just I was scrolling reddit while this movie was on and like someone posted a scene uh, from the newsroom and I was like oh fucking hell why does everyone keep posting these in the newsroom so then i looked up the newsroom and looked up like some like controversies for it and then got on like a thing on that and then i was like oh wait this is jeff daniels also uh so i guess it was fate um yeah also i read somewhere that um 
um, uh, Emma Stone actually jumped into the water in that scene that she was in. They they gave her like a stunt double, but she didn't use them. But like it's like it was like thirty degrees, I guess, in like Montauk, New York, when she jumped jumped in the water. So that sounds cold. I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, not for this movie, especially. When I was younger, I'd do polar bear swim, but I wouldn't do that now, especially in a really bad indie movie. <laughs> yeah, I would do polar bear swims in real life, but not in an indie movie. That's that's where I draw the line. Um, yeah. And she also in an interview said that uh, apparently this movie was inspired by uh, J.D. Salinger hanging out at high school basketball games when he was older. Like the guy who wrote Catcher in the Rye? Yeah. That's very weird. <laughs> apparently. That's what the, I guess that's what Emma Stone says the director told her. Um, and the director in an interview, I guess, I didn't realize that Brad Pitt was supposedly rumored to be playing Moriarty in Sherlock Holmes Game of Shadows. But the director was asked about that in the interview and they're like, oh, I would love to work with Brad Pitt. And then it wasn't Brad Pitt. It was former actor in Lost in Space, Jared Harris, who we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so weird movie. Um, I, I, I don't know. It was it was fine. Yeah. Do you want to? Uh, I I had an idea for rating. Okay. Um. So. Uh. Oh wait, that doesn't work because I was gonna I was gonna do like oh do we rate it like a rock man a paper man or scissors man <laughs> um but I guess that doesn't work because everyone beats another one. Well, paper covers rock, so paper would be a a paper man would be better than a rock man, but a scissors man would be even better. But then. Scissors so, yeah. destroyed by rock. They all just go in a circle. Yeah, yeah. But like, if we're only <laughs> comparing it to paper, this movie's a rock because it, it's worse. It's bad. Yeah, this movie is definitely worse than paper is. Yeah. I'd agree with that. It is worse than it is on paper, presumably. I'd agree with that because I remember looking at like the... Because I, I legitimately, when I first was watching this movie, the first half of this movie I watched, I thought it got really good reviews. So I was watching the movie and I was like, oh, I guess this is kind of like an interesting nuanced take. It's sort of boring though. I don't really know where the good reviews come in. Maybe we'll see the second half comes in, and then I looked it up again and realized it's not good reviews. Yeah, they did not like this movie. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. Yeah. I would say me neither. It's definitely closer to a rock um, than it is to paper, and it's definitely not scissors unless I want to be the scissors that cuts up paper in this movie. Oh yeah, man. This, do you did you have another rating system <laughs> that maybe works better? Uh, the only thing I could think of was like rating it based on like newspapers. I don't even know if that really works. Like, oh, this is a Washington exam. <laughs> I think this is The Hill. Oh, that's good. I think The Washington Examiner is worse than The Hill. But yes, both very bad. Um, yeah, I don't know. Wish it was better. It's but fine. It's not. Yeah. I, yeah, it's like, it's it's creepy, but also weirdly inoffensive. You know what I mean? Like, it's like upsetting and gross, but it's like too boring for you to get like up in arms about. It. Oh, yeah. There's no reason to get up in arms about this movie. It's not obnoxiously bad. I feel like Lost in Space, what we watched last week, was way more obnoxiously bad than this movie is. So yeah. from that perspective, this movie is just fine. I don't know. Um, before we get on to our final segment, I wanted to quickly uh, ask if you wanted to discuss the would you rather prompts in this movie. Yes, sure. I don't remember what any of them are, except for the no parents or no friends one, which I don't want to have to answer because I think my mom listens to this podcast. And at least one of my friends does. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So you don't want to choose between them then. Um, I didn't write that one down. I forgot that one existed. I wrote down two other ones instead that were in the movie. Okay. Uh, the, one of them was, uh, would you rather no TV for a year? Or only watch Golf Channel. Um, I must that they didn't really specify that the Golf Channel was for more than a year. I'm assuming that means the Golf Channel is for life, and the only no and the no TV for a year is for one year. Okay, well if it's if that's the option, then no TV for a year. So then I can watch TV in a year. But if it's only Golf Channel for a year or no TV for a year, I'm going Golf Channel. But that would make no sense though, because it's like either no TV or Golf Channel, then you can just not watch Golf Channel and have that count as no TV, pretty much. It's basically the equivalent of you either 
not have anything or would you want to watch golf channel the the fact that they both say golf channel makes me think that it's like well i would rather watch something i don't care about than not watch anything at all you know maybe they both are just saying that because they don't like watching tv because tv corrupts our society wow shut up that <laughs> <laughs> i actually like watching golf on tv yeah, it's fine it's a good thing to just throw on yeah it's a good nap thing which let's be real everything i watch on tv is stuff that i'm like is this entertaining or is this something that i can take a little nap in front of and both are good wins in my book yeah i like a good nap during a tv show if i'm just like not interested um yeah all right and then the other one is would you rather walk backwards forever or stub your toe every time you take a step uh walk backwards forever uh emma stone in the movie made a good point which was that uh she wants to see what's in front of her so she wants yeah, to yeah stub her toe. little toesies would get hurt yeah toes get hurt but you get to see you get to see like the future instead of having to keep walking into the past. also wait okay so it's every time you take a step right yeah so can i get go around in a wheelchair and then not take a step i guess so yeah okay then i then i'm gonna do that one and just get a wheelchair i feel like i would probably it depends on what i'm trying to do with it like if i want to be like a th- if i want to be like a thing i would probably walk backwards forever so i could get like on like a news program probably or something as like the guy who walks backwards only uh whereas stubbing your toe just sounds like painful but if i can if i can do what you do and just avoid subbing my toe somehow like just don't walk or walk on hands or have like a scooter with me at all times or something then i would do that yeah uh, but yeah doesn't sound neither of those options sound fun nope um but yeah what are you uh what are you watching this week so um i watched um this like um kind of is i'm about to say it's similar to this movie it's not even close to similar to this movie i watched this movie called late spring uh recently which is a uh japanese movie from the 40s uh it's like a post-world war ii japanese movie um pretty well regarded it's by the same director who made tokyo story which is also a pretty well regarded movie mm-hmm. um but like i was watching i watched that in between watching the first half and second half of this movie and that movie has a lot of cool kind of like nice looking beach scenes in it too because it takes place in japan so there's a lot of kind of nice like welcoming beach scenes whereas i always hate new york beaches in movies like i hate looking at like the affair or this movie or something like that where it's just a brutal looking beach in like the fall typically that just doesn't look appetizing at all is a beach and a black and white movie with a beach looked way better to me than this movie's beach did yeah no uh northeastern beaches suck yeah not a fan um but yeah yeah, i thought it was a really good movie it's on hbo max um it's just one of those movies that like it's uh, people like you know really like it it's like one of those kind of like film movies where like you have to like watch it to analyze it or something or get in the conversation so you know for that it's pretty good um not really that similar to this i guess in most ways probably but still a very uh good good movie um definitely wouldn't want to remake with lisa kudrow in it probably uh because i don't i get the thing is there is like a overbearing uh aunt in the movie who like tries to get the main character to marry someone and i feel like lisa kudrow would be a good overbearing aunt if they were to do a uh american like parasite style white person version of this movie because um you know she'd she's a she's a good i feel like she'd be really good as like an aunt in the movie like where she's just kind of yeah. doing she's being like sort of she's funny but mean to her kids sometimes or her nephew sometimes or niece in the movie i can see that like you know the roles are reversing kablooey and she was like not the mom she was like the sibling she would be kind of fun as like a chaotic sibling of a more put together parent sure uh what have you been watching uh so i've actually been pretty busy at work recently and haven't really had a lot of time to be watching stuff other for the podcast so what i am going to recommend is or yeah what i'm going to recommend this week is not actually a movie or a tv show but a podcast that just released its first episode of the second season called a closer look uh the first season was a fictional story about a uh world series that never actually happened 
Um, and this new series, uh, this new season is about a fictional highest grossing or the most expensive movie of all time. And like, you know, the controversy and failure behind the production of it. Uh, it's very, very funny. Uh, it's made by two guys. I can't remember their names, but like two comedians um, who like write it and they voice all the characters, uh, but they do like silly voices. So Lisa Kudrow could very easily voice one of the characters because she's kind of got a silly voice. Yeah, she's a very silly person. Yeah. She definitely would fit a like sort of big movie gone wrong or I don't know about gone wrong, but either way, like she she sort of fits like a film crew of a movie type vibe in something. Yeah, I can see her being on the film. Crew. That's my recommendation. It's very funny. It's hard to find because a closer look is the name of a segment on Seth Meyers' show and all every time you google it you gotta google like a closer look baseball podcast but then that sometimes just brings up baseball podcasts so uh if you want to listen to it just ask me for the (laughs) (laughs) because it's very hard to find i gotta imagine they don't have that many listeners either yeah i'm sure they have a few um but seth meyer should do a segment about baseball podcasts on his a closer look segment so that way anytime anyone googles a closer look baseball podcast they just get that segment and he takes away you and more listeners from this podcast <laughs> that's, uh, that's what you could do at least uh, but yeah well both of those things are more worth for your time than watching Paper Man probably almost always how this segment works pretty much <laughs> I feel like we occasionally find the movie that we like but not yeah. this time yeah. and no. probably not next time probably not alright everyone have a good week and we'll see you next time. Bye. goodbye Lisa honey